Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, look, I want to change things up completely now. We preview this event a number of, did a couple of times in the build up to it. It's a race that's almost impossible to finish. It's known as the Revenant. It's 16,000 vertical metres of climbing. It's staged down in the central Otago, just south of Queenstown. You've got 60 hours to complete four laps. It was staged last weekend. The event director is Scott Worthington. I thought we'd get him on to review the event and find out how this year's competitors got on. Scott, good morning. Welcome. Yeah, good morning, Mark. Good morning. I read the article on stuff. Uh, Number one read story for a long time. Um, Pretty much they describe it as the race that's almost impossible to finish, but not impossible. Did we have any finishes this year? Uh, No. No, pretty much the same result as the previous year, so we didn't have anyone finish. Why? 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 (laughs) I've had a lot of people say, why do people enter a race that's almost impossible to finish, Scott? What's the appeal? Uh, look, I think it's, it's, it's sort of multi-layered layered the appeal. Um, I think ultimately people want are curious about something that appears to be impossible but not impossible. We've had four people um, finish it over the years, and so I think there's a bit of intrigue there um, about why it's so hard, um, and that, that gets uh, people on the start line. What made you come up with the idea, Scott? Why did you want to take people to such extraordinary lengths of fatigue and such extraordinary lengths of mental fortitude in the name of trying to go as far and as deep as they can? Oh, I think um, pretty, pretty, pretty simple, really. Um, you know, done a lot of sport over the years, and I think most people would agree that um, a lot of sport, elite sport, has has the boundaries have sort of been made so that they you get more people across the finish line, um, and there's only one way you do that is things a little bit easier. Um, but there is still a core group of people that really want to test themselves in situations which are extremely difficult. So really, it was about initially catering for that group of people. Mm that really, truly do want to test themselves. Mm. Okay, so the race is near Garston. It's on a 2,000 hectare. It's known as um, Welcome Rock. It's a family farm. Uh, It's owned by Southern District Councillor Tom O'Brien. Describe the terrain. Describe the 2,000 hectares. Um, The the, the 2,000 hectares is is quite unusual in the sense that very representative of the, the sort of general terrain that you would get across Southland. So People that know Southland would probably know it and probably more from things like Stewart Island and, and Fiordland as a Stuart basis. But it obviously, uh, the northern border is up near um, Queenstown at the end of Lake Wakatipu, so it does encompass that sort of more central Otago-style um, subalpine tussock areas. And Tom's property is unusual in that in that area, it has just about everything. So... The guys will traverse through beach forests, and when you're in there, you could be in the middle of the Ordland, and then you'll be up high and 
subalpine tussocks and then you'll be down below and pretty much green farmland. So really it's the, the, the beauty of it is, it is it's how representative it is of the Southland topography. Mm. Okay, so how many entries did you have this year and what type of person enters this and how well trained do they need to be? So we cap it at 40, so we won't allow any more than 40 in and we had full field this year. We did have a couple of late scratchings, so we didn't physically actually have the 40 but we had 40 confirmed to start and then we ended up with 35 on the start line. Um, the type of people, it's a huge mix, Mark. We have... You know, we've in the past had U.S. Navy SEALs, New Zealand Defence Force people. Uh, we've had farmers, sheep musterers. We've had elite um, trail runners, adventure racers. So it, it, it's quite incredible the mix of athlete that we have. And they all come, therefore, from their background, training in the style and manner that their own sport uh, would uh, require. And then they find that when they get to this race, maybe those skills are helpful, but they certainly won't help, mm. help them get across the finish line. You need other skills. Mm. I was going to say that in a lot of endurance events, for much of it, you could argue that it's from the shoulders down and then there gets to a certain threshold where it's pretty much the shoulders up. It, 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 does that sort of threshold exist or is this just shoulders up from the moment you leave? No, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think what you said is exactly right. I mean, you you can't... Uh, come to this race without being able to run, for example, because if you don't runnable parts, um, then you'll never finish. So somebody that's a triathlete, for example, uh, will have the right fitness and so forth to do that part of it. Um, but ultimately, if you can't engage through the navigation aspects of the, of the race, but also backcountry terrain, you're exposed. I mean, mm. completely exposed for hours on end. So experience in the backcountry um, and, and being in the bush, totally unsupported, um, that aspect um, is incredibly important, but you will not finish if you don't have the whole package. Okay, so you mentioned only four people have finished. I thought, what are we into, the sixth year now or the fifth year of the race? This was the fifth year. Fifth year of the race, just the four people that have finished. Some of them returned this year and didn't finish again. Some of those that had finished previously turned up this year and, and weren't able to complete it. Slightly different course, slightly Correct. different change in the settings. So who were, yep. who were the best of this year's bunch and just how far into this particular race did they get? Okay, so we had uh, Sean Collins and Ian Evans, two previous finishers of the four, two of the four, come back. Um, and they uh, didn't quite get hard. Um, and the, the gentleman that went the furthest uh, was a local lad, uh, only 19 years old. Um, a fantastic young guy, um, hard as nails, and uh, a good adventure racing background. So, um, you know, um, he, he was sort of tailor-made for the, the, the types of skills you need. Uh, mentally, very, very tough but very, very stable. Um, now, he got, unfortunately, missed the uh, cut-off uh, by only a few minutes. Um, so, officially, he didn't finish three laps, but in, you know, in practical terms, he was, he was only a few minutes away from, from making that cut-off and completing three laps. So, he went the furthest. Uh, there was one other guy, Adam Keane, out of uh, Queenstown. He went about 41 or 42 hours uh, and pulled out um, pretty much a, sort of two-thirds of the way 
around that second lap. So that's as far as anyone got this year. Now, people are not allowed to wear watches, no technology. You're only allowed old school compasses. Uh, they've got to get to 14 well-hidden checkpoints um, on each lap. They've got to do it within 60 hours. Um, how well hidden are they? And would you describe finding the checkpoints as, as long as you can read a map, you follow the compass as being fair and reasonable? Yes, I do. Um, you know, the only other race that's like ours in the world really is Barclay, and that's our, our, our um, you know, we unashamedly uh, uh, will tell people that that was, the, you know, the, the inspiration for putting a similar event on in New Zealand. Um, now, they do a sort of a, a, a cryptic way of hiding the checkpoints. Uh, we don't do that. Um, we pretty much put the checkpoints, um, you know, in position. Uh, we don't hide them so that if your land navigation is good enough on the map and you can read those contour lines appropriately, you will find the checkpoint. Ultimately, it's a, a race, a land navigation orienteering style race. It's not hide-and-seek exercise. Mm. Now, if you do finish it, you do get a lovely little commemorative whiskey glass, um, but you also get to enjoy a dram or a, a shot of whiskey out of the bottle that you have there called the Welcome Rock bottle of whiskey. Um, so four drams have been taken from it. How long are you, how many years do you think it'll take, Scott, for that bottle to be emptied? Yeah, look, that's a good question. I, and I, I, I actually, I don't know. I can't put a number on that. But I'll, I'll, I'll simply say I think the bottle's going to last a while. <laughs> I think it might too. Um, okay, Scott, so planning to gain for next year. And we've talked about this previously. I mean, if you realistically want to finish this, you've probably got to have a, a three to five year plan. You've got to turn up every year. You've got to really sort of uh, get an appreciation of the terrain. You've got to start to get a real feel for the place. And in doing so, by gaining that experience, you ultimately do start to take out some of the guesswork. Yeah, absolutely. You've hit, it, hit the nail on the head again, Mark. It's This race is about learning. Um, and Ian Evans, the, the gentleman from Queenstown that came back this year that didn't finish, but he had four finishes, he took three attempts. And that is the, that's the point of the race, is that you come, we don't change the checkpoints sometimes at all, but if we do change them, we change them very, very slightly. gives an advantage to people that have been before so they can exercise and uh, reap the rewards of the experience. Mm. And this year... Because we'd had four finishes, we felt we needed to, to just make the challenge a little bit fresh and new. So mm -hmm. this year, um, we did change a substantial amount of the checkpoints, and hence, you know, the result we got. It wasn't that we just got no finishes. We really didn't get many people at all past one lap. Uh, but should they come back next year... Uh, where we don't change much on the course, they'll be able to use that experience and they'll go a lot further. Now, you had a Japanese film crew covering this year's event to take this race around the world and also to promote New Zealand. Yeah, look, we were really lucky that um, the Japanese have a... Um, the, the national broadcaster, NHK, have a TV programme that goes around the world and, um, and highlights unusual endurance races. And we were their first um, race to shoot after COVID. They've re reignited and re-triggered the... The TV program and um, they were wonderful. They really they were intrusive. Um, and Japanese, I think, as a nation, you know, I think you've lived there, Mark. You know, they they like these sort of quirky things. They they get the style of of of, of event and, and 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 racing. So um, they were wonderful guys to deal with, and we're looking forward to um, seeing them highlight the Southland region um, when they when when it comes to air. 
Scott Worthington, as always, thank you for taking the time and joining us here on SENZ this morning. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for, thanks for, thanks for having me. And the race is the, called The Revenant. It's 200 kilometres. You can Google the uh, news story actually on stuff. It ended up being the most read, I think, last Monday or Tuesday. Um, this is not a race for the faint-hearted. No Scott well. Uh, very, very well organised. Um, incredibly brutal. Again, not for everyone, but fascinating. A real throwback to that sort of she'll be right attitude. You know, when Sir Edmund Hillary, I think he described in his book, conquering, finally reaching the summit of Mount Everest along with Tenzi Norgay. And I think he simply said, oh, we sort of came around the corner and sort of before we knew it, we'd knocked the bastard off. And it was that sort of, that whole sort of laissez-faire lack sort of Kiwi she'll be right attitude. And I think it's important. Um, I think it's important that we still retain that in this country. And you've only got to look at the number of orange cones these days around the country. If somebody's cutting down a tree, there's a kilometre of orange cones. And I just wonder whether we are gone too far the other way now. And we're starting to lose a little bit of that she'll be right attitude. It's good that guys like Scott and stuff out there are trying to promote it through sporting events.